Let's begin with a word of prayer. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. And I pray that you would change us if we need to be changed, that you would encourage us if we need to be encouraged. And I pray that you would give us hope and peace in a tumultuous time. I pray that uh, you would inspire us here to be more and more faithful to you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we continue our series through Ephesians, uh, there has been a theme that has been going from Ephesians 4 uh, up until now, and it will continue to the end of the book. And the theme is, you have to be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making best use of the time because the days are evil. You need to look carefully how you walk, or in as it says in, in chapter 4, uh, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So the walk is the Christian life. Uh, the Apostle Paul is very concerned that we are living the Christian life in an appropriate manner. And so now we're at a point where he is going to talk about the walk of specific people in specific relationships. So last week we looked at the walk of a wife. This week we look at the walk of a husband. Next week we will see we will look at the walk of children and parents. How are you supposed to live the Christian life in these circumstances? Whatever circumstance you happen to find yourself in. Some of you are uh, parents. Uh, some of you don't have parents anymore. Some of you are parents and your children are gone, moved out or whatever. Uh, some of you are wives. Some of you are husbands. I am one of the husbands. Uh, some of you uh, are employers. Some of you are employees. Some of you don't have jobs. Uh, <laughs> looking at you, Ralph. No, I'm kidding. You have. You do lots of work. You do lots of work. Um, Man, I, I look over the fence sometimes and watch Ralph work, and it's he's a machine. It's pretty impressive how much Ralph does in his in his big big yard. Um, but how we are supposed to walk in the world is what the Apostle Paul is going through here. And so um, I was asked last week by Lance why I didn't talk about husbands first and then wives to kind of cover myself so that I didn't get in trouble. Um, and I said. You know what? I, I, I would have liked to, uh, but the Bible puts wives first. And so that's where I went. <laughs> and uh, uh, Lance probably had a, had a smart thought there, and maybe I should have done that, but I'm, I'm happy with, uh, with where we're going today. So this morning we're going to be looking at the walk of a husband, uh, but I'm going to read Ephesians 5, uh, 22 to 33. So please stand in reverence for God's word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Please be seated. So we've, we've already looked at uh, wives and, and submission and what that is about and what the Lord requires of a wife. Now, this morning, we're going to focus primarily on the husbands. And a lot more is devoted in the section uh, that is directed to the husbands because the husband's role is, uh, in some ways, a little more complicated in you know, in some ways, uh, but only because the husband is intended to have a shadow role of Christ. He is meant to be a reflection of Christ. And so the, uh, the responsibility of the husband is a little bit uh, more scary. Maybe that's a good way to put it. It's a scarier responsibility because the, the wife is supposed to be imitating the church and the church is imperfect, and so imitating something imperfect gives you a little bit of wiggle room. And sometimes you're better than the church, and sometimes you're worse than the church. But, you know, for a man, we have to, we have to imitate Christ. And we're always worse. <laughs> always. And so in that sense, uh, the apostle give, gives us a little bit more to chew on so that uh, hopefully we'll, we'll grow a little bit more in our ability to reflect Christ uh, and to behave towards our wives in the same way that Christ behaves towards his church. We are supposed to behave towards our wives the same way that Christ behaves towards his church. Meaning that we are supposed to be perfectly loving and self-sacrificing and leading in the best way possible all the time. We can do that, right? <laughs> we, well, we could, yeah, that's a good, we can strive for it. But uh, we'll never be the way that we are commanded to be here. Now, that's not an excuse. You don't get to say, well, I'm not, I ain't Jesus, so I'm not going to worry about it. No, you, you ain't Jesus, so you better worry about it. That's the way that the Apostle Paul talks about it here. You are supposed to have a death mentality. A death mentality. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You are supposed to give up your life for the sake of your wives. How many of you give up your life for your wives daily? We always have these grandiose ideas that if somebody was to bust into our house in the middle of the night and try to attack our wives, that we would lay down our lives for her. But it's really easy to lay down your life for your wife in that scenario because you have no other options. Your options are either fight or run away. And we all like to look at ourselves and think we're very courageous, we would fight, and we would die. And I would be willing to bet that probably that's true for everybody here. But daily, giving up your basic needs and wants all the time for your wife. Do you do that? No, you don't. (laughs) Liar. (laughs) I don't. We don't do that. But we are supposed to have that mentality. That is how we are supposed to live as husbands. We are supposed to be willing to give up absolutely everything. Our own desires, our own pleasures, our own wants, our own needs for her sake. We are supposed to give up our benefits. We're supposed to give up our rights for our wives. Everything. 
One of the things that the Bible talks about quite a lot is not uh, considering your rights as something to hold on to. Jesus emulated that. When you look at Philippians 2, he says he did not consider equality with God as something to cling to, but he gave it up and he became the very nature of a servant. Jesus had every right to lord superiority over us and over his church. And there are times when we as husbands have the right to lord superiority over our wives, but we shouldn't. We should have the attitude of Christ, who does not lord superiority over his wife, the church. He lovingly cares for her, and keeps her, and holds her, and sanctifies her, and cleanses her. We are supposed to have that same mentality. Sometimes our wives can say things that are really hurtful, or say things that are really unreasonable, and really be in the wrong. But what we're supposed to do as husbands is take responsibility And to behave as though we have been in the wrong, even when we haven't. And to lovingly care for our wives and encourage them, even when they are being wrong and unreasonable. That is what husbands are supposed to do. We are supposed to love our wives unconditionally as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When you are wrong constantly, when you are angry at God for the things that are not going well in your life, Jesus lovingly cares for you. You're in the wrong. You're in the wrong for being upset with God. But he doesn't lord that over you. He lovingly cares for you and helps you to understand that he loves you and cares for you. And he helps you to grow in your faith. That's how you're supposed to be with your wife. You are not supposed to just let her walk all over you. But you are supposed to lovingly care for her even when she's wrong. And to love her unconditionally. Unconditionally. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This was an unconditional love. Unconditional means that uh, when Jesus came to save us, he didn't wait for the church to become worthy of his love before he came. He loved the church first. Before the church ever even knew of him. Jesus' love for us is not conditional on our worthiness of his love. Your love for your wife cannot be conditional on her worthiness. It has to be unconditional. You have to love her even when she's not worthy of your love. And there are times when she is not worthy of your love. Because of the way that she has behaved or whatever. But you're supposed to love her anyway. Just like there are times when you are supposed to be respected by her, but you're not worthy of her respect. That's what it says here. Let In verse 33, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There are times when you are not worthy of respect. There are times when I'm not worthy of respect. Our wives are commanded to respect us anyway. There are times when our wives are not worthy of our love. We are commanded to love them anyway. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus loves people who are not worthy of his love. And cares for them and brings them into his family. And loves them and cares for them. And sanctifies them and saves them. And gives them inheritance with him. Husbands are to have the mentality of Christ. In that we are supposed to unconditionally love our brides even when they're unworthy of our love. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You are supposed to cherish your wives. We are supposed to cherish our wives. We are supposed to be devoted to our wives, to their to every need. We're supposed to be devoted to helping them grow in their faith in Christ. We're supposed to be helping them grow in their beauty and in their life-giving power. You know, I, I said this last week that when God created woman in the garden, he created her for the purpose of giving life. Don't suck the life out of your wife. Give her the ability to bring life to your marriage. Give her the power to bring life to your family. You can impede or you can help with that process. That's what we are supposed to do. Husbands are supposed to love our wives and help them to grow in the same way that that Jesus is working in the church to grow us in our uh, in our faith, uh, grow us in our sanctification so that we are growing to be more like Christ. He washes us and, and purifies us and cleanses us from our sins so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. And this is, this is the thing, is that as a husband, if you're not cherishing your wife, if you're not constantly working in your wife, you're really just hurting yourself because you have to live with her. So love your wife and work on her and help her and lead her in a way that is good and glorious and kind. Lead her in that, in the way that Jesus would lead her. Lead her in the way that Jesus leads you so that you can present her to yourself in splendor as something that is glorious for you to enjoy. But so often we work against ourselves and we act spitefully towards our wives and we talk about our wives or to our wives in ways that are horrendously unloving. And what we're really doing there is shooting ourselves in the foot because we still have to go to bed with her that night and live in the same house and eat the food that she prepares for us and hopefully it's not poisoned. (laughs) But we're a little bit short-sighted, aren't we? And we behave towards our wives in ways that we'll pay for later. Or we can treat our wives in ways that we will benefit from later. And that's hard to do. It's hard to be proactive. It's easy to be reactive. It's hard to be proactive. And that's what husbands are supposed to do. We're supposed to be actively going after our wives in the same way that Christ actively goes after his church. The, the church, um, throughout the ages, God's people have been a people marked by wandering. Prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And yet, God is always constantly pursuing. Always, constantly drawing the church, God, drawing his people back to himself. Now, your wife may not be the kind of person who is prone to wander, but we should still be pursuing our wives and not allowing the relationship to separate when I was getting uh, marriage counseling, uh, one of the things that he said that uh, TJ said to me was, um, "You guys are like this, and if you are like this, it's really easy to go like that. What's really hard is when you separate to come back together, 
And it's the job of the husband that when you separate like this, you've got to go after her as hard as you can and make sure that you don't have that separation. Because once you have uh, separated, it's really easy for that to spiral into, into horrible things. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his bodies. So when we behave towards our wives in ways that are unloving and that push her away, we're really taking a knife to our arm and stabbing ourselves. And that's foolishness. Uh, the Bible says... In, the, in Genesis, that a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You are one with this person. You should not be behaving towards your flesh in an abusive way. We, we, we look in, in the world at people who treat their flesh in an abusive way, and we say that that's sad. But oftentimes we'll see marriages fail, and we'll just say, ah, that's how it is. But that's sad too. It's incredibly sad when marriages fail. Husbands are supposed to love their wives as their own bodies and to care for their bodies. When you're thirsty, you drink. When she's thirsty, give her some water. That's how the marriage is supposed to work. We are to be consumed with the needs of our wives in the same way we are about ourselves. We need to consider the needs of our wives above our own. So that means that if we can only afford one pair of shoes, guess who's going barefoot? It's the husband. Because we're supposed to nourish and cherish our wives as we do our own flesh. We are to consider her needs above our own. And really this is, you're supposed to behave like a Christian towards your wife. That's what the bottom line is. Behave like a Christian towards your wife. It's really amazing how many Christians behave horribly to each other and not like Christians. And it never uh, happens more than in a marriage where Christians will behave in the most unchristian ways imaginable towards one another. But we're supposed to behave in the, with a Philippians 2 mindset of considering the needs of her as more significant than our own. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. That each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your wife is your closest neighbor. Your wife is your closest Christian uh, counterpart. You are supposed to be considering her needs above your own. That's what the Bible teaches. I I'm trying really hard here not to tell you to do anything crazy. I'm, I'm trying really hard here to just tell you to act like a Christian. That's all I'm trying to do, really. And last week when I was talking about wives and husbands, I wasn't trying to tell wives anything spectacular. All I wanted to do was tell wives, be a Christian to your husband. Behave like a Christian to your husband. That's all you got to do. 
I mean, it's the hardest thing in the universe, but it's all you got to do, <laughs> right? We, as men, are supposed to behave like Christians toward our wives, where we consider her needs above our own. It's the hardest thing in the universe, but that's what it is. That's what we got to do. We got to act like Christians. We are supposed to love our wives. I have a quote here that I love. It's by a, a preacher named Vodi Bauckham. And... Uh, He's talking about conversations that he has with men uh, who are faltering in their marriages. And this is what he says to him. He says, go home and love your wife. And they'll say, you don't understand. We're just not in love anymore. And he said, I didn't ask you to be in love. I said, go home and love your wife. The Bible commands you to do that. Husband. Love your wife. Well, I just don't feel like that. Okay, that's fine. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Your wife is your closest neighbor. Well, she's not even my closest neighbor. She doesn't live with me anymore. Okay, that's fine. Jesus said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. So love her because she's your sister in Christ. They say, oh, I don't know if she's even a Christian. Well, that's fine. The Bible says, love your enemies. It is absolutely inexcusable for a man who says he follows Christ to stop loving his wife. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. But we walk away because we don't have a biblical worldview. Go home and love your wife. And if your wife doesn't live with you anymore, love her anyway as best you possibly can. That's your responsibility. Even if your wife is not a Christian, even if your wife is pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, love her anyway. Because you push Christ. I push Christ. We all push Christ. And He continues to love us. He continues to lavish His grace and kindness upon us. He loves us. We are supposed to love our wives. Why do we love our wives? Because God first loved us. Turn to uh, Luke 15. This is an interactive Bible study. Luke 15. Luke 15, we'll start in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here without hung with hunger? So I will arise... And go to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now here's a question. Here's the question. What did 
that son do to earn his father's love? Nothing. Not a dang thing. Why did the father love him? Because he's his dad. Why should you love your wife? Because she's your wife. Doesn't matter who she is. Doesn't matter what she's done. Doesn't matter how nasty she is. Doesn't matter how great she is. Doesn't matter any... None of that matters. All the externals gone. You are supposed to love your wife. We are supposed to love our wives. In every circumstance, in every condition, in sickness and in health, from this day forward till death do us part, and probably more than that. Now the older son was in the field, and he came and he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead, and he is alive. He was lost and is found. We are the older brother. We behave like the older brother toward our wives. We will make excuses and say, I have been great. I have been obedient. I am not in the wrong. She shouldn't be allowed to push me around. I should be allowed to just leave. I should be allowed to be done. God should be happier with me than he is with her. I can disobey. I can act sinfully towards my wife because she has acted sinfully towards me. We are so prone to blaming our sins on other people. We pretend that when someone sins against us, that that's our excuse to sin against them. But the Bible doesn't say, love your wife when she's lovely. The Bible doesn't say, love your enemies as long as they're nice to you. The Bible doesn't say, love your enemies when they're nice to you. It says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and do good to those who hate you. Love those who spitefully use you. Sometimes that describes a marriage. And you're supposed to love that person anyway. No matter what, in all circumstances, her actions, your actions, do not give the excuse on either direction for more sin. Just because your husband sins against you, that doesn't mean you get to sin against him. Just because your wife sins against you, doesn't mean you get to sin against her. You are commanded to love each other unconditionally all the time. In every circumstance, no matter what happens, no matter what they've done to you, you are supposed to love them. Marriages last because people decide not to hold sins against other people. Yeah, I've only been married for four years, so I can probably throw out all that advice anyway. Um, Don't. The truth of God's word is not bound by how many years a person's been married 
or how good their marriage has gone or how poorly their marriage has gone. The word of God is true in all circumstances, in every age, no matter what, for all time. Hallelujah. Amen. Am I right? Just because someone has had a failed marriage, that does not mean the word of God is not true. Just because someone has had a gloriously successful marriage doesn't mean the word of God is not true. Just because someone has only been married a short amount of time doesn't mean the Bible's not true. The Bible is true no matter who is saying it, no matter when they're saying it, or how often they say it, or how long they say it, or how short they say it. The Bible is true in all circumstances. This applies to you. Why? Because God wrote it, and God knew your heart before he wrote it. This applies to all of us. It has to. Or if it doesn't apply to you, then you can throw the whole thing out and why are you here? It's all for us. This mentality of sacrificial love was God's intent in the founding of marriage. Man is supposed to leave it all and hold fast to his wife and become one with her, caring for her as he cares for his own flesh. A woman should have absolutely no problem at all submitting to her husband because she should have no doubt that he is absolutely devoted to her and consumed with her flourishing. But sometimes we don't treat our wives the way that we're supposed to. And we wonder why our wives don't respect us. And why our wives aren't flourishing. It's our fault. If, if your marriage is struggling, look inward. And you'll find out why. It's because of your hard heart. We are supposed to be absolutely devoted to our wives. Absolutely devoted. And that means that the way that we treat her when she's around should be devoted to her flourishing. And when she's not around, we should still be devoted to her flourishing. We don't get time off. You know, I've debated on whether to say this, but I am going to say it. If some of you spoke about my wife the way that you've spoken about your wives, I would take you out back. You do not get time off. You do not get to speak about your wife in a derogatory way just because she's not around. You love your wife. In all circumstances, in all settings, no matter what happens. No matter what she's like. No matter who you're with. No matter what she's done. In all circumstances. Let each of you see that he loves his wife as himself. And let each of you see that she respects her husband. She should be able to respect you. Because she knows that whether you're at home or out there, that you are always devoted to her flourishing. In every circumstance. This is a profound mystery and it refers to Christ in the church. This is Christ's attitude towards you. Christ's attitude towards you is that he is always devoted to your flourishing. He loves you. And he's with you all the time, caring for you and blessing you, holding you up, sanctifying you, 
and you constantly sin against him and he still loves you and pursues you. That's the gospel and that's, that's what it is for you and for me. That's what it is for all of us. And if we're Christians, then that means that we have to act like it. It means that we have to be devoted in the exact same way. That's how it works. This is a profound mystery, and it refers to Christ and the church. Marriage is a picture of the gospel. A husband who loves his bride unconditionally and lays his life down for her, and a bride who gladly denies herself, takes up her cross, and follows her husband as she follows Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we acknowledge as husbands that we are absolute abject failures. And we trust in your grace. And we're so thankful, Lord, that even when we are failures, you continue to work on us and to work in us. Lord, help us to love our wives the way that you love us. Help us to love our wives the way that you have commanded us to do so. Father, I pray for the wives who are listening, whose husbands have not behaved in loving ways. I pray that you'd give them strength. I pray that you would change the hearts of their husbands. I pray for all of the husbands here, and especially myself, because we are so often devoted to ourselves above our wives. But Lord, that is not the way we want to be. We want to be devoted to our wives And to be a picture of the gospel. We want to display you to the world in the way that we conduct our marriages. Lord, help us. We need you more than we can say, more than we can know. Every hour of every day, of every minute, we need you working on us, changing us, and leading us. So, Father, I pray that... As we go from here, you would help us to understand the gospel better. I pray for all of the men here that you would help us all to love our wives, to care for our wives in a way that is honoring to you and an accurate picture of who you are and what you've done for us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.